Welcome to Vino 101, episode 22, Lambrusco. Welcome, wine lovers. My name is Bill. Hey, I'm Al. Hello, everybody. Um, we're uh, we're going to do uh, a little, uh, probably something out of the ordinary today. Um, uh, kind of a sparkling wine, but not really sparkling. No, not really. It's uh, it's frizzante. <laughs> it's frizzante. It's Lambrusco, and, and no, it's not. Reuniti, but uh, we'll get into that as we start the podcast here. Are we going to do a cool commercial? That w- I'm not so sure about that. I don't think I look anything like Aldo. Okay. <laughs> now, Aldo was Cella. Uh, that, okay, that's true, Aldo Cella. That's yeah, true. Aldo Cella. Aldo Cella. He's not a slave to fashion. I'm getting, well, I, you know, during that time period, that may, not, may or may not be true. That's unclear, right? Yes. <laughs> So um, I learned, um, I don't know about you, but I learned a lot, um, and I really enjoyed this particular uh, study um, on Lambrusco. Well, you know, so one of the things that just serendipitously that happened is that summer just arrived where we live. Um, We went from sort of a, a a dry winter into almost immediate summer, so... This uh, this wine is actually perfect for summer. Um, it's perfect for a lot of things, but uh, yeah, I agree. I learned a lot as well, and uh, the timing seemed to certainly be right. Um, you know, from uh, from enjoying for the type of thing that you would enjoy this wine, uh, and the types of food that you would enjoy this wine as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think uh, we had what we had four. We had four people that actually um, did the tasting, and. Uh, I mean, everyone was pretty pretty pleased. I got some good feedback yeah. from the other, other yeah. two people. I, I think the biggest, so one of the most interesting things it, to me about this wine is that, it, you know, not unlike Riesling and Blue Nun, um, this wine is known for a, another, you know, very large production wine called Riuniti. And it's a very sweet wine, Riuniti. And a lot of people had, had expectations that they were going to be drinking sort of this soda poppy kind of wine. And that's not what we discovered at all in terms of the Lambruscos that we had. In fact, I think it is generally surprising to people when they open the Lambruscos that we did try. Um, uh, you know, that, that, you know, the sweetness that, uh, you know, the exceptional sweetness that you might find in a wine like Riuniti wasn't there. And in addition, these wines actually had some depth and some character, um, much more so than I think people's expectations. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's that's very true. Um, um, to be fair, though, we did kind of go out of our way to find small producers, kind of artisan producers, and um, these wines on this podcast, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find going at, um, you're not going to be able to go to BevMo or your local grocery store. You're going to have to go to a specialty wine shop, uh, and you might even have to go online to actually find these bottles because this is kind of a new, a new trend. And um, it took some searching. You know, we're in the San Francisco area. It took me a, a while to actually nice. find these. One, you know, most shops would have one, maybe two. So, um, it, yeah, and you might, I, you know, I'd, I'd be interesting to know sort of, you know, folks on the East Coast that are closer to the continent, they might actually get more of a variety of these types of wines. But I, again, I think, it, as you said, it's going to be a wine that you're going to have to search out. But I think what we've discovered is it's a wine that's definitely well worth searching out, especially if you're, you know, if you're, you know, it's a hot summer night, you're going to a barbecue or it's a day barbecue. This wine can be, you can have it chilled or you can have it sort of at, at, you know, cellar temperature. It's got an interesting characteristic, uh, this frizzante. So it it uses a process called, I'm going to probably mess this up, Tremont? Tremont? Yeah, Tremont. Tremont. 
which is they basically fermented stainless steel tanks and then they you know bottle it. And when you pour the wine or first open it, it gives a little bit of froth to the wine, so you get some bubbles. Um, there's a reference to the sort of you know um, uh, bubbly at the beginning of the podcast here. But it's really sort of a refreshing wine. It pairs with a lot of stuff that you would consume at a picnic um, or at a barbecue um, or, ne- or even a, you know, even, you know, sort of something that you might have before a dinner with some, you know, with some salty cheese like pecorino or, or uh, parmesan, um, you know, that type of stuff. So it's a really, it's sort of a versatile wine. And, it, and because of its uniqueness, it, it's definitely something people will probably know from Riuniti, but will be surprised once they have something that's from a smaller producer that isn't so so sweet. That's sort of my my thinking. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's um, it's 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 good with food, man. It's uh, definitely good, especially creamy foods like a creamy pasta or something, or um, you know, um, cold cuts like um, really um, pepperoni, salamis. Um, it's just. Uh, I think it's really good with barbecue chicken. Actually, it's I'm one of the sure it things that's very good. With. Sure, it is. I haven't eaten. We haven't, I haven't eaten lunch today, so this is yum. Um, so let's talk a little bit about where the uh, you know so about the grape or about the you know the wine itself. So Lambrusco actually is a grape, and it looks like there's a couple of different varieties. What six different varieties of Lambrusco? Uh, uh, well, before we go there, let's let's hit on where Lambrusco actually is, and it's from oh, well, Italy. It's obviously, from Italy, right? Yeah. And um, it's a, a region, um, it's from Emilia-Romagna, and uh, it's northern Italy, I guess you would say. And its borders on the north are Liguria, Tuscany, um, and uh, Marque. Well, we'll put, should, we'll put a map. We, we'll put a map. Yeah, we should, we'll we should do a little map. And show, yeah. the, and show the link. But, but anyway, the, the hyphenated name denotes that there were two distinct areas at once. One was Emilia and one was um, Romagna. And um, they're kind of split in half right there where Bologna is. And Emilia lies to the west and um, Romagna lies to the east. And with the exception of that one little strip of land that would be Liguria there on the Mediterranean, that whole region stretches across the whole width of the peninsula. And um, if that wasn't there, that would be the only region that would have borders on both sides of the water. Wow. So, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a cool trivia. Definitely. Thing. Um, what are we showing? Well, in sort of the center, isn't uh, so there's a, a famous town that a lot of the uh, wine is made in, right? Mod- Mod- uh, Modena, yeah. Modena. And Modena is famous for balsamic vinegar. That's how yeah. I actually knew it. They make the high-end balsamic vinegar that cost what? Hundred bucks for three ounces in the states yeah, or something like pretty, that. Pretty pricey. Yeah. I, then that obviously that's aged balsamic and and it's twelve years. The production is like twelve years. So I mean, come on, right. think of the evaporation factor there. It's it, a lot of work goes into making that product. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's priced accordingly. Um, the other thing that I found interesting about Lambrusco personally, it's actually a very old wine, and the production is actually old. They traced it back to the Etruscans in Roman times. Um, so this wine has been around a long time and has been made a long time this way. So it's fairly interesting from uh, from a historical standpoint, I think. Yeah, for sure. And going back to the Reunity thing, the reason that, um, you know, I mean, in its heyday uh, in the 80s, um, Lambrusco was the number one imported wine period in the United in the States. States. Right. That was back in the days like Bartles and James wine coolers yeah. and wine spritzers and I have a vague memory of that from my parents yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty big. 
So when you look at a bottle, you'll see, um, let's go over the terms, you'll see four terms. First will be frizzante, and frizzante just means slightly sparkling. Then you'll run across secco. Secco is dry. And then amable, which is slightly sweet. sweet. And then dolce would be sweet. Um, dolce. So there's 13, from what I could understand, a lot of books I read said there was like 60 different clones or whatever. But I, I think the truth of the matter is there's probably 13 different varieties. And the most that you see, there's five um, DOCs, which stands for Denomination Origine Controllata, which is a specific area where they grow these grapes. The five that you run across as far as DOCs are Lambrusco de Sabara. That's northeast of Modena, and it's along the Panaro River. There's Lambrusco Gasparoso del Castavetro, and that's south of Modena. Uh, then there's Lambrusco Salamino di Santa Croce, which is north of um, Modena. It's kind of around the town of uh, Carpi. And then there's Lambrusco Reggiano, where most of the um, commercial stuff comes from. And there's one other region that makes Lambrusco, and it's north of the Po River, which is the border uh, of Lombardy. And um, it's called Lambrusco Montavano. I believe that's how you see it. So um, I'm not the guy to ask about the Italian <laughs> pronunciation. There's a lot of, um, you know, most most producers just they make, you know, they most of them are cooperatives. You know, there's not a whole bunch of small farmers that make this Lambrusco. So most Lambrusco that you see is from a cooperative. And if you know you're sending grapes to a cooperative, what do you want to do? You want to make as many grapes as you can. Right. So it's yield about is, yeah. It's about for you. Yeah. The more the more you make, the you know, the more grapes, the more money you're going to make. So um, these these um, producers that we've highlighted, they've kind of gone contraire or gone in the opposite direction, and they're actually making. Um, they're producing less grapes and they're making a higher quality product. That's the end result. That's what it's supposed to be. All right. So let's talk a little bit about serving temperature and, All right. and what these, uh, you know, how to serve these wines. Cause they can be chilled or they can be, you know, served at sort of cellar temperature or warm. And so what do you, uh, I, what, do, well, what do you think we learned? I found, I found for, for me, for my personal taste, I think anywhere from 55 to 60 degrees. Um, that way you can allow the wine a chance to develop in the glass as it warms up it does change and you get a little bit more of the flavors but you get to kind of see how it evolves in the glass which is kind of nice i put them in the fridge for i think 20 minutes gotcha you know and uh gotcha. and we we opened them up so you know cellar temperature and letting them warm up i, I mean it's almost like you know a, uh, a white wine in some instances where you know it might be cool to start but as the wine becomes warmer you get more and more of the character of the wine or it reveals itself. And I think one of the things I noticed sort of over the podcast is that some of them actually um, really did better. Um, yes, that's a bottle opening. Um, some of them actually did better. As they got hey, um, did better as they, as things got, as it got warmer, you know, more character came out of the, uh, out of the wine. All right, I got to pour you a little glass or keep going. I'll pour you a little Thank glass you. of this Cotta Medici. And so, anything else you want to mention on temp? Uh, the only other thing is if you're if you're going to buy, you know, like we get we got the artisan producers here. If you want to buy a fake um, Lambrusco, which would be, I mean, there's there's a lot of junk out there. Like you could find, you know, there's a lot of fake Moscato out there. If you if you find a fake one, or if you're buying the fake stuff, 
just chill it down really good and it'll it'll be fine. Just <laughs> give be, it the cold chill. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, Lambrusco Day is oh. June 21st, 2013. So we'll get this out real quick so you guys will be ready for Lambrusco Day. Yeah, for Lambrusco Day. Day. And, I, you know, another interesting thing, I think, is that as I was doing um, – uh, trying to find some tasting notes about this wine, I, I noticed that there were a few wine writers, and I believe there was even an article in the New York Times that I don't, uh, from last summer – there seems to be somewhat of a resurgence. So people are starting to discover this wine um, and, you know, sort of beyond, uh, um, you know, its popularity from fake Lambrusco, if you will. Yeah. You know. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have said fake. Well, I, you know, uh, you know, versus Industrial. sort of. Yeah. Big volume producer, uh, Lambrusco, that's trying to give you a Lambrusco experience um, at an incredible bargain versus, you know, the artist and producer is really trying to reveal the character of the wine. The other thing that I, I, I wanted, so one of the things we like to do is kind of try to put some tasting notes for the people that we taste with. So, you know, aromas are sort of berry fruit, red apples, pepper, those types of things. Flavors, strawberry, raspberry, so your berry fruits again, um, uh, pomegranate, sort of all wines. And uh, Al kind of went over the profile, you know, they can be dry, sweet. Um, and you know, of course, not as uh, sparkle, uh, not as sparkling as a champagne um, or a uh, Franca Corta or any one of those. So let's dive in. We tried six wines, um, uh, and they were fairly interesting wines. I will make an attempt at Italian pronunciation here. So please, it's. Uh, um, you want a drum roll? N- no, please. Okay. I, I try, trying to draw as minimal attention to myself as possible. So the first one we tried was a Tenuta. Pedrazanta um, uh, Grasp Par Osa della Tradizione. Um, number two was. Oh, let me let me go ahead. Let me do that one again. It's, it's, oh. it's Tenuta Pedrazana Lambrusco Grasparosa di Calstovetro. That's uh, that's that was the first one. Huh. I've got a different. It's a 2011 also. Right. Yeah, in a really cool bottle. Talk about that later, I guess. Yeah, sure. Number the the second one was a Ca de Medici Terracolda Lambrusco. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, I'm reading off some notes here. Was the Medici Hermete, and it was a Concerto Reggiano Lambrusco. Mm-hmm. Number four was a Corte Viola Rosso Fragolino. It's a two eleven. Number five was a Ponte. Lambrusco from uh, Del Emilia, and the last one <clears throat> was a Chiara Charlie Cleto Chiarli Cleto Chiarli. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Chiarli Centronio Ambale Gasparosa de Castavelletto. Yeah, that was, the, that was the uh, Amabile that we had. That yeah. was a, that so let's was start with that one first. Yeah, so not a lot of people in, enjoyed that wine. I actually, uh, I actually, I, I liked it, and I liked it for a couple of reasons. So it actually had, for me, sort of that um, soda pop. It was almost sort of soda pop-ish, like, you know, carbonated soda pop. Um, very creamy mouthfeel. Made a little sour mash on the nose. A little bit of wood. And I think the thing, the reason that I liked it is I could easily see my wife and my mom and, you know, those types of folks, like, really enjoying this wine 
It's also not sort of, a, you know, as we've mentioned, sort of a fake Lambrusco here. But I think that uh, that's why I like that wine. Um, I, I don't know that I would, you know, rank it anywhere other than the last wine of the list. But because of those care, I thought it, you know, in terms of it being an Amabali style, I thought it was a good wine. And I, I know a lot of people would like it. So that's why I sort of, um, you know, I didn't think it was like horrible or anything. Yeah, I didn't think it was horrible. But um, uh, up against no. the other ones, it was it was clearly out of its league. So, um, but um, the name, just to clear it up, it's Clito Chiarli. It's C-L-E-T-O-C-H-I-A-R-L-I. And, and we'll put all the bottles, and since we're so horrible at pronunciation here, well, I am for sure. Al sounds like he's got it down. I, we'll make sure that these bottles and the wineries that they're from are up on the podcast, and we'll try to link to, uh, you know, we'll try to link to the wineries. I, I don't know, I, Al. I don't. Maybe you know if you can actually buy some of this stuff from the wineries. Um, not direct because it's there, but you can find the distributors for sure. All of these, even though, like I said, they're a little bit more of a search. I mean, several of the producers they make a, a lot of the wine. So you, you can find it. Oh, boy. And if you're on the East Coast, you're going to be able to find it a little bit better because That's, the East Coast always gets all of the good wine and we get the, we get you know, the, we get the leftovers. <laughs> but you know what? We got good stuff out here. Yeah, we make we make some wine. There's so, some wine so, made around so here. It, it's okay. So one of the things we actually forgot to talk about at the beginning of the podcast that actually makes this wine fairly attractive in, in some respects is the fact that it's very – they tend to be low alcohol. Yes. Um. You know, so kind of below twelve, um, and you know, you know, so it's almost like a, uh, you know, in terms of comparing it to other types of alcoholic beverages, it's almost sort of like a, um, you know, some of the uh, micro brews that you get, sort of the high end micro brews that you get uh, in terms of its alcohol content. So again, you know, sort of a great, you know, barbecue, picnic, you know, beginning, you know, something you might drink at, at you know, before dinner um, or even after dinner. If you have the right dessert, I imagine it probably would be yeah. an interesting thing to pair. Mm-hmm. Um, so a- anyway, let's keep going on the wine. I just yeah, thought we should. Yeah, but the alcohol, that's that. a good point because it is, like you said, it's 11 and a half, 12 and a half. That was the range. And if you get, um, if you get an Amable or if you get a Dolce, the alcohol is going to be even lower. It's going to be, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine in that, in that range. So, uh, fun wine. You can, uh, drink a fair amount of it and, uh, not have to worry about waking up all gonzo the next day. It's, it's, it's not like drinking, uh, a, a high, uh, I know a high few, elevation Malbec. Yeah. Well, I, I know a few folks that say, well, I, I can just get a, a, a bottle for everyone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You want to stock up this, Actually, the wine goes fast. It went fast. It, with the it went group. fast. It and went and, fast. And the other the other thing about these wines is that they're not expensive. Even the, I mean, even I, what's the most expensive bottle? I think that that was purchased was just below twenty dollars. Yeah, the concerto was uh, nineteen bucks, and so was the uh, society was nineteen bucks. All right. So there wasn't a wine over twenty bucks, and um, I think there was the range was thirteen to twenty. Yeah, and so and these are all you know. So these are all sort of um, you know they're uh, artisan wine. So that that's a great deal for that wine, I think. Really is, really yeah. is. So should we keep going in reverse order then? Let's go reverse. We're going so uh, the, next. Will be the um, Padere um, Cipolo. Um, it's uh, Ag- Ag- Azienda Agricola Benedini. Um, the name, the big name on the label is Panente. Panente right. two seventy. 
So we're trying to figure out what that meant. Yeah, we're thinking yeah. 270 degrees. Yeah. Or something. I, it's got a big star on it, like it's a uh, you know a sextant type thing going on. So, gotcha. Just something head to west do with or something. Yeah, head west to our winery. <laughs> this one is organically grown. Um, the wine, the grapes are from around uh, Reggio Emilia. It's twelve and a half percent alcohol by volume. Uh, fermented in the bottle, which is kind of a unique thing. You don't get that from your Rianiti or your Cellas, um, and it's unfiltered. The importer is North Berkeley Imports. They make only 275 cases, I think. Wow. Hard to find. The grapes are Lambrusco uh, Grasparosa, Lambrusco Malbo, and uh, Monterico. My thoughts on this wine. Go ahead. It's 13 bucks. Uh, it's got deep ruby color. It had a cranberry um, cherry nose. It was light-bodied um, with the short finish. Light on the bubbles in contrast to some of the others. It was pleasant and simple. It was 13 bucks. It was it was, it was a, good. I, it was a good wine. I um, the only the only thing I'd add in terms of sort of taste is I, I got a little pepper in the taste too, and, and it was really um, something I noticed at the beginning. Yeah. Um, not after, and, and the reason I bring that up is we actually t- tasted this with some cheese that had some pepper in it. So it was actually before I'd had any of the food that I got uh, a little bit of that pepper on the nose. Okay. Number four. Number four is a, a vintage wine. It's a 2011. And um, the uh, Ponente was actually a non-vintage wine, just so you know. Uh, the Vigneto Sadi is a 2011. Um, the winemaker's uh, Luciano Sadi, S-A-E-T-T-I, um, established in 1998. <clears throat> this wine is also organically farmed around uh, Santa Croce. No sulfates additives, um, fermented in the bottle, 12% alcohol. The grapes were uh, Lambrusco, Salamino, De Santa Croce, and the importers, uh, Louis Dresner. Um, boy, why don't so you start? Was, yeah, so this is really uh, <clears throat> a really interesting wine. Um, okay. I, I thought it was a really interesting so, wine. So, Go ahead. so one point of interest here is we had this wine. Um, typically, um, we'll try wines... Once, twice, three, four times. We try the wines a lot. We had this wine. For me, it didn't fare very well. Um, it was a flawed wine, I thought. We had another bottle. We're sampling it right now, and it's showing extremely well. Yeah, it's night and day. Yeah. So, yeah. And so what is our favorite bacteria that we were discussing? Britannomyces. Uh, so there was definitely a little of, uh, a little of that friend in, uh, in, the, in the first bottle we had. I mean, the first, the first hint that I actually got off the wine was um, was not a pleasant smell, um, probably because of the bacteria. So it literally smelled like cat food to me. Um, uh, and after I tasted it, I got a little bit of cherry coke. It was really interesting, sort of like a cherry coke flavor. Um, but we we had an interesting discussion, sort of about this bacteria. And there are some people that actually prefer, or, or you know, could actually add to the wine. With this bacteria in it, um, it it uh, it's definitely it definitely different. It certainly won't hurt you. Um, and I've been yeah, uh, you know a little bit of uh, you know we need bacteria to survive. So who knows what, how it could help us a digestion? Yeah, it, I think might, I, it might help us. It wasn't helping me drink it though. <laughs> it wasn't helping me at all. Uh, I, I the only thing it caused me to do is keep tasting it to see if that taste would go away. So I don't know. I wouldn't say that it wouldn't. Help. It did help me drink it, but not in a positive way. 
So I'll, since we're trying it right now, what I'll do is I'll, I'll give you my notes of the first bottle that we tried that was, I will say, flawed in my opinion. And why don't you make some mental notes of how it's tasting to you now because they are light years apart. Can I just say good? Yes. <laughs> you, can if you, you can if you want. <laughs> but here's what I got when I first opened the flawed bottle. I got um, uh, musty, stinky toes nose. Yeah. And um, most of the fruit was in the background, and that's what happens when you, you have a wine that has Britannomyces. Um, the, 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 the off odor takes over and the fruit kind of stays in the background. But what was there as far as fruit was kind of like a brambleberry, uh, kind of mushroom and earth. It was medium bodied, had a medium length and a slightly bitter finish. And I was definitely not a fan of that wine, but I'll tell you what, I have turned around. This is fantastic. This is good. And it's a little fair. It's, it's a little unfair to the other wines because what we are trying against the Terracalda, but um, the other wines aren't here to, to stand up for themselves, but it's it's really it's beautiful. Well, we didn't taste that long ago, so I mean, this is sort of uh, and, you, and you know I mean, it's night and day in terms of the actually get a little spice out of this. Yeah, yeah. You know what's striking to me is if you look at the color, look yeah. at the contrast between this and the, and the other wine, and uh, I mean, it's super light, almost like a, a burgundy, much, much lighter, wine. almost like a burgundy. But the flavors that are coming out of this are just fantastic. There's actually uh, a fair, a fair bit of depth of character in terms of this wine that I'm uh, more complex than I than I remember the other wines being personally. Yeah, this is probably. Um, I mean, if I had to do it over again, I had this ball. This would be my favorite. The one thing it doesn't have is it doesn't have um, it doesn't have the spritz that the others have. Doesn't have as much spritz. Yeah, one of the things that you'll notice about the Lambruscos when you pour them is they'll bubble up and you'll get sort of a nice head, and the head kind of settles out, and you'll get a white line around the glass. Yep. Um, almost consistently, it's interesting that this does not have that as pronounced, if at all, relative to the other wines. I mean, look, we're I'm looking at two of them right now. Unfortunately, we're not. Look, this one's still got bubbles on the edge. Right. Yeah. I mean, this one's just sort of, it's almost like a still wine. In fact, if you probably gave it to somebody now, they would not, um, and didn't tell them what it is, they'd be, hmm, what is this? So my notes on this right now as I'm drinking in the glass, it's got, uh, it's a very, very nice, clean cranberry cherry type nose. It's, I mean, it's just, it's like red cherry, not black, just a nice, really yeah. nice cherry nose. And, uh, oh my gosh, man, it's, it's very floral. Yeah. It's very very floral. I mean, it's it's re- it's pretty. It's a really and, it's uh it's actually d- different. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty is the word I'd use. Um, so di- different than the wines that we uh, the other, other Lambruscos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, uh, really, it's it's way different, and that, it stands to reason because the label is different. The label is like weird. It looks like um, it looks like uh uh. uh like something you'd have sewed on your jeans or something, you know the label. Yeah. It, it, it really, it's a, it it's an old school type of. It looks like a Levi's thing. Yeah. Just they stuck it on there, and um, it just says organic wine. And he's got his, but it's it's the real deal, and uh, I'm I'm like super pleased with that. I'm uh, I was gonna talk to the guy that I bought it from because I bought it from a new shop, and I was gonna tell him, man, that bottle was but i'm i'm really glad we got a chance to, to try it again. Ah, well it's a good thing to and yeah. uh, so this is a this is a good thing to talk about so if you do buy a bottle of wine and you think it's off there you know you should go back to the uh, purveyor and tell them about it 
not that you're going to get another bottle of wine, but I mean, if I was selling wine and I had a bad bottle, I'd certainly want to know. I'd want to know if I have like all of the wine is bad. And a good purveyor, you know, especially if you're a regular customer, is just going to probably give you another bottle of wine. Yeah, as long I mean, as you take it back and it's you know it's not totally empty. Right. Well, <laughs> take the empty bottle back. It's like this, <laughs> this was, was terrible. This was terrible. Here's an empty bottle. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I mean that's sort anyone of anyone worth their salt will say, oh yeah, sorry about yeah, that, and yeah. they'll give you another bottle and give it another yeah. try. And the winery will care too. The yeah. winery will want to know. I mean, if I was making wine and I was selling it to people, I'd want to know if my product was bad. Um, and they happen. It happens. It just it you know this is sort of a. It's a living product. It's a living, breathing thing. Um, well, so, so that mushrooms is that that slight taste of mushrooms and earth is 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 still there, and oh man, that that is really really good. That's that's just uh, I'm blown away at how how good that's. It's just right night now. and day. So it's uh, night and day where we're at. So number yeah, we're just on. to recap, that Go was a, a Vigneto uh, Saeti, and that's um, S A E T T I, uh, organically farmed. Um, uh, Lambrusco Salamino de Santa Croce. So onward, the next wine is um, Medici, Medici. Medici. Yeah, and I, I think um, Medici. I mean, I think that means doctor. So yeah, it does. Uh, or medicine. Yeah. All right, the concerto. The concerto. Oh, just r- real. R- what well, nice little touch with this uh, society, real quick is it says after years of it, when you pop open, when you pull off the capsule, underneath the capsule, on top of the cork, is a little note. And the note reads, after years of attention and care, Vigneto Sati has concentrated on quality, hence reducing the quali- quantity produced, obtaining a grape where its natural equilibrium and unique qualities allow for a wine production without any addition of sulfur dioxide. To maintain this wine, we follow only the oldest and simplest traditions, the natural fermentation of grapes. And he signs his name. Bravo. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nice... That's and well a, said, too. Bravo. Perfect. All right, so back to the concerto. <laughs> on to the concerto. So number three is the 2011 Medici Ermiti Concerto. Um, they were established in 1961. Um, it's a Reggiano Lambrusco Secco, 11.5% alcohol by volume. It's a single vineyard wine, 100% Lambrusco Salamino. Um, this is a very large producer. I really like this wine. They make over 8 million bottles of regular Lambrusco. That's how big they are. But not this one. Not this wine. This wine is this their is flag. Their, this is their, their top of the line, their artisan wine. Uh, I believe they make 12,500 cases of, of this premium wine. And it's a break the bank at 20 bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. $19. Yep. You got you to put out 20. Uh, the importer's uh, uh, DSWE. And what, what is cool about this wine is, aside from it's, it's really a great tasting wine, is that bowling pin bottle packaging that it has. It's pretty neat, man. It is. It's very it's very cool. It's pretty neat. It's very cool. Um it's it was like I said it was nineteen bucks. Um this wine was at the Gambero Rosso that we went to and it was a it got a trade carry, which is a top award. And uh, it's easy to see why. So now Al and I have been fortunate to be able to go to the Gambero uh at basically the Gambero Rosso um, is an Italian wine association where the wineries, I, I assume, submit their wines for sort of judging. And then they take the top on the road. And they do it in three places in the States, New York, San Francisco, and Chicago. We've been able to go the past couple of years. And I think it's sort of one of the triggers. We experienced this wine. It was sort of a, a catalyst for this podcast. 
um, at least starting to think about it, um, whether it was, you know, um, sort of just kind of in the back of the brain or just, you know, actually overt in terms of like, hey, we should do this. But, um, I, you know, there's a, you know, it's, it, I, I think one of the things I find most interesting about that particular event to talk about it real quickly is one, if you ever get, if you're ever able, if you are ever able to be able to go to an event where you can taste a bunch of different wines at one time, we would highly recommend it. It just really will expand your palate because there's just a huge variety of wines. It's somewhat intimidating the first time you go, especially if there's a lot of producers there. But just it's it's a great it's a great thing to do to really help your education. At least for me, has been learning, and I'm <clears throat> I'm still learning every time I go there. I experience new wines that I've I didn't even know about. So this wine won an award from these producers. Yeah, um, and I I actually like this wine. This was my favorite wine in the group. Um, on the nose, I get uh, licorice, and then I got uh, like strawberry basket. If you've ever had a basket of strawberries, it yeah. doesn't exactly smell like strawberries. You get some other stuff in there too. Yeah, um, like and that's, a little, little black fruit. Yeah, you get a little black fruit. You kind of get the greens off the the stems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you kind of get that. Like if you've ever broken or you know like fresh grass, it isn't like that strong or pungent, but it's like back there for me. Yeah, so it's kind of that whole kind of like being in a strawberry patch. And then I think the other thing that was interesting to me is like what I've read about tasting notes and what you're supposed to look for in a Lambrusco. This thing is just like totally true to type. You know, you get the berry fruits on the on the nose and the strawberry, and then it kind of tastes like that too. And then it's got a nice amount of carbonation. It's still got the white wine. It bubbles in the glass. So I really liked it. I did too. I, I got did. Um, my notes on it were um, it's um, it's a, one of the darker wines. You know, mm. a, a real deep purple black. You know, and um, the bou- the bouquet for me, I didn't get um, as much red fruit as you got. I got more of like a black cherry cola, and maybe that's what you're talking about—the strawberry with something different. Maybe I got a I got a like a just just cherry cola type of thing. I got was you. most predominant, but we both got the hints of uh, anise and licorice. We oh. both got that. That's in there, and it's full bodied and it's dry. It's dry to the point where you almost, it makes, the tannins are there to where you almost pucker a little bit. That's probably why. And, uh, <laughs> you want to keep uh, eating, too. Yeah, and it's, a, it's got a, a really clean and, and probably the longest finish of all the wines that, that I could tell. And a really good zip and acidity. I mean, just a, uh, a really good wine. I bought a half a case. I'm down to three bottles, man. Says it all. I got to get some more. Says it all. <laughs> that says it all. All right. Uh, moving all. on. Um, our next wine was the 2011 uh, Terracolda. Uh, oh, no. The Terracolda. Terracolda, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the, it's, uh, this is a non-vintage wine. It's uh, the Ca de Medici Terracolda. Terracolda means hot earth. Right. And uh, 11.5% uh, alcohol. Dr. Hot Earth. Doctor Waterworth, what is it? <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure the wine the wine the wine uh, the vineyard and winery owners are like just we gotta quake, think of something quaking <laughs> exactly like, get a hold of those jokers. Uh, the importers Tosco wines, the grapes. There's a lot of different grapes in this one. <clears throat> uh, Lambrusco Salamino, uh, Ancelotta, Cabernet, and Malpo uh, Malbo Gentile. And uh, it's it says it's finished uh, semi dry at uh, or the tech sheet says anyway at 18 grams per liter of sugar. I don't get that at all. I just get um, well. I get a, it has a fruit bowl bouquet. 
I mean, just just like a, it's it's amazing. Mulberries, blackberries, earth. On the palate, I get boysenberry. No, oh, interesting. I, I, so somebody mentioned um, you probably did out. We were tasting uh, the IHOP. Yeah, IHOP boysenberry. It's in sandwich. there, man. And when you said that, I'm like, exactly. It's in there. That's exactly what that is. So it's boysenberry, raspberries, and just just really rich fruit. And it's really, it's very frizzante. Actually, we're having a, a little taste of it right now. And it had more fizz than any of the other bottles by far. Uh, mediumly finished, very crisp acidity. And as soon as you finish savoring the finish, you want to take another taste and experience it again. Yeah, it's got that. It, there's something, there's something on the, on, on, uh, in the wine that makes you want to continue to consume it. Yeah, there's, it's, they, uh, they must be working with the Coca-Cola manufacturers. I was just about to say that, that, on, that the uh, soda manufacturers have figured out the chemistry around this stuff. It's <laughs> like, I have a drink. I want to drink more. Yeah. Just keep it going. So yeah. I got sour mash on the nose and raspberry. And then I got like, I, I got the cherry cola out of this uh-huh. uh, on, uh, when I was tasting it. I agree with sort of the statements about the finish and the fizz. I really like this wine as well. Um, it, uh, and it's also, um, it's reasonably priced. It's 15, 15, 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, you need to find this wine and try it out. It's fantastic. Yeah. It shows really nice. And then the last, uh, number one is a Tenuta. Yeah. The, uh, Tenuta, Pertizana, Lambrusco, Grasparosa, De Caus del Vetro. It's a 2011, the winemaker is uh, Massimo uh, Gibellini, and uh, it's 100% Grasparosa, 12% alcohol by volume. This is a very, very small operation. They get the grapes from an old hillside vineyard. They only make 2,900 cases. I was about to say, yeah, small production, real small production. Your thoughts? Yeah, so this was a, I, you know, this was a, a lot going on in this wine, and maybe it's just because it was the first one that I tried. So I actually got a little barnyard. Mm-hmm. Um, on the nose right when I started and strawberry mm-hmm. and then when I first tasted it it tasted like a frozen cherry coke to me because I got a little bit I I tried it right after it was poured so I got a little bit of the fizzy head yeah, yeah. so I got a little bit of, I think that with sort of the flavors gave me that um, and then I also I got a little bit of of, of uh, leather kind of leather like sandalwood leather mm-hmm. in there too um, I like this wine. I, I, it was my third ranked wine, and again, not super expensive, sixteen and a half. Um, also, thought the I, I also got some tannins um, on the finish there, so mm-hmm. uh, or in the in my mouth in the mouthfeel. So it was good. I, I of all the wines, this wine for me was uh, I, I ranked it number one in, in my book, and, and I'm still even though I gave it the number one ranking, I'm I'm. I'm well, now you're torn of, with number three, right? Well, yeah. Which was the... <laughs> no, number uh, four. No, sorry, four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, they're totally different wines. But it has a deep ruby color. Um, uh, the the nose was uh, palm granite and red fruit. That was kind of... That's what I got out of the aroma. But uh, what really... And I think you're kind of maybe alluding to this a little bit. Is it had um, brown sugar sage and kind of like a cream aroma that could be that kind of could be where i'm trying to say the leather sandalwood stuff yeah it's probably a better expression of it all and it's just it's just makes you you try to figure it out it's like what what is that it's really really interesting you know on top of the you know on on top of all the the pretty fruit but it's full-bodied um medium tannins and 
the most, um, you know, what I really liked about this wine was, I mean, it sounds simplistic, but it was really well balanced. There was nothing sticking out. I mean, it just, it was just, it just drank so well and, uh, it was intriguing. So that's why I gave it, uh, a number one in my book. So where does that leave us? So we should probably go through the ranking. Okay. So, um, can you remember what the other guys were? Cause I didn't make, I made notes. I didn't. So just about everybody ranked the, um, we're taking a look at some notes. Cause I could, cause I could give you, I could give you what I, my thoughts. Well, were. Go ahead. I think, put your, put your, I think, I, so I think I, they were contrary to, to yours, what yours were. I was the odd man out in all of this. I think just about everybody else agreed with, um, yeah. um, well, number three for me was the, um, the concerto. I ranked that number three, okay. and number two was um, was the um, the Terracalda, and then number one was uh, the Predazana. That's that's what I that's how I ranked it. Now, if I were going to rank them today, and it's not fair, like I said, the other wines aren't there. I definitely would put the Vigneto Seati as number one. Yeah, I so I actually had that as my number two wine. Yeah, I so you I were don't seeing know. through the Brett. You were seeing uh, through the Britannomyces. There was something. Yeah. There was something that I liked about the wine. I don't know yeah. what it was, but that's uh, that was there for me. Um, if I if it was only true that I had that kind of insight, <laughs> well, I would have a different I profession. Think you must have. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's something, I, there's something. Well, you know. So I if if uh, if anybody follows us and listens to the podcast, uh, we had done Chardonnays. I think one time yep. there was an off bottle of Chardonnay. From Mendocino County, I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved right. it. I loved it. Um, uh-huh. And I like a lot of stinky cheese. You like too. the complexity. Uh, thanks. <laughs> there we go. You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, what, what you, the problem is that you know I kind of done uh, winemaking kind of on the commercial side, so you know we look at that complexity as a flaw. So flaws are you know. A, a lot of these wines, or some of these wines that we we may view a little bit more favorably, would definitely not uh, fit into the groove with the California winemaker. They pick it apart and say it's got this, it's got that. And yeah, well, and, and, and you know what? That's uh, um, so that's what's great about wine is that you can have your opinion and enjoy it, and whether or not um, you know, as I as per- personally as I progress, I might start to understand this stuff more and go, Oh, you know, this has this particular characteristic and it's quote unquote wrong. Um, or, you know, it shouldn't taste good, Mm -hmm. but you know, uh, I think one of the things that I'm picking out is the difference in terms of everything else. Um, and that could be just why I'm keen on that personally, but I learned a lot from this podcast. Um, one thing we didn't talk about is sulfur and wine, which we'll talk about in another podcast. We'll probably do a podcast of organic wines because it's actually, I learned uh, a little tidbit uh, during our tasting about sulfur and how sulfur is used and, and how, it, uh, um, how, or, how it plays into organic and biodynamic wine. We don't want to talk about it today because that would be another 30 minutes of discussion. Yeah, we don't um, want to do that. So not right now. Yeah. So, but um, All wines have sulfur, and it's just a matter of how much sulfur they have. So um, it's important to, to, to recognize that. Um, the dangers of not using enough is what happened with that first bottle. That yeah, we and we'll we'll talk about that in a future podcast. I think it's really it was super informative to me. I, I did not know, um, and uh, but suspected. So, 
So that kind of wraps us up in terms of the Lambrusco podcast. I want to thank everyone who took the time to sit down and write a review for us on on iTunes. We really appreciate it, and the feedback's great. And, uh, you know, we hear you about the length of the podcast. Um, we'll try to get better organized, and we'll try to get more out. We're uh, – um, uh, thanks. Just thanks. Yeah, well, we've cut this one down a little bit. I mean, it's got to, it seems like it's a little bit shorter, so that'll help out. But hey, there was a lot to cover on yeah. Briscoe. There's a lot yeah. going on. And um, I think it's the up and coming and cool and in thing. And it's got way more character and way more depth of flavors than any Moscato that's out there. So um, take a bottle, go find one of these producers. Yeah, fizzy and, red um, wine. Come on. Yeah. How and, can uh, you not? How can you? You're going on a date with someone. I mean, you bring this wine. It's cool. You'll be the it's hit of cool. the party. It's cool. It's what a you cool got, man? Hey, yeah. Man, I got a small producer, Lambrusco. What's that? Yeah. Pop it open and wow. watch the smiles. <laughs> so, hey, I, I think we're done. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, um, like you said, uh, we, we really appreciate uh, the reviews. Give us some more. Give us some more. And um, we appreciate all the all the, the love on Twitter also. Yeah, and f- any, any feedback, anything you want us to uh, tackle – um, we're happy to do that. Questions? You can reach us at bill at vino101.net, al at vino101.net, info at vino101.net. Obviously, hit us on Twitter. And that should do it for this cast. All right, we're good. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Morning, Bill. Appreciate it. <laughs>